Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. Here for another episode of the flagship show. My name is Tom Adams. I am joined today. This is the first time we're seeing this duo, so get ready for it to come at you, everybody. I am joined today by Schnitzel. Schnitzel, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing fine. It has been a pretty hectic day with two meetings, but now that they're all over and I've you know, done and dusted with all the work I had pending, I guess you have my undivided attention. Yeah, well, that sounds good. And I think this is another situation where people should take into consideration the time difference uh, that we are uh, accommodating right now, just like when it was myself and uh, I need no name. So what time is it in your neck of the woods right now? Just for the listeners. It's, it's 8.36 p.m. And I would say I'm fine with this time. Although if it was going to be afternoon time for you, I would probably asleep. So, you know, <laughs> the yeah. time difference is hectic. Yeah, yeah. We had to make it work. And just like in, you are making another sacrifice because at the time we're speaking, Liverpool do kick off in about a half an hour. And I know... By now, a lot of our religious listeners know, in addition to Bayern Munich, I'm also a very big Liverpool fan. So hoping we can get a result at Leeds, Ellen Road. It's a tough place to get points. But nonetheless, let's get stuck right into this. So, so Schnitzel, we are in the privileged position of being able to say we are coming off of the back of another big statement win for Bayern Munich. And Nagelsmann continues his unbeaten run as start of Bayern Munich manager and you know, I know that we saw just a massive performance against his old club at his old club in Leipzig yesterday at the time of recording. So I know Leipzig, they're not having the best start to this season under Jesse Marsh. They've had a difficult schedule. Uh, they've lost some players. They've had a decent amount of injuries. But Schnitzel, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know, should we read too much into this result or is it just what it was? Bayern Munich beating up on a team that's not really hitting full stride at the moment. I'd say it's still a bit too early in the in the season to talk about like title implications and whether this puts Bayern as the front runner for the Bundesliga title, especially considering we're still in second position. We're not, you know, the table leaders. So we still have Wolfsburg to deal with right now, who are looking super solid and they've won all four of their Bundesliga games. And yeah, Leipzig, I think they're in a rough patch right now because the moving parts are still getting adjusted to become like a whole functioning unit. And Jesse Marsh, he's a great coach. I admire him a lot. And obviously he has those good looks, you know, those American looks. <laughs> so uh, I'd say that uh, he's getting used to Leipzig's style of play. He's implementing his philosophy in this team. And the, they have a lot of new exciting players like Andre Silva and Soboslai, who... Uh, it's no secret that I'm a big fan of Soboslai and I feel like uh, they will eventually, you know, get to a rhythm. They will eventually start winning games again. But obviously, there is no harm in celebrating this win. It was incredible. 4-1 against one of the best clubs in Germany. I'll take that any day. Yeah, I have to agree. I think we can probably both agree, especially in the first half with that godforsaken pitch that seemed to be getting chewed up so much you know we have to get uh bavarian football works on chuck smith on the case as the resident grassworks as expert in the back of my mind when i was live tweeting the match i just was very fearful that someone was going to get a twisted ankle you know uh cough cough kingsley coman if he was out there um or you know a muscle injury it's just always a very dangerous situation in a game that i thought got relatively feisty at times i'm surprised we didn't see more yellow cards to be quite honest with you um, you know, it was obviously a hostile situation for Julian Nagelsmann, uh, Dio Upamecano, as well as Marcel Sabitzer. They all knew 
what they were walking into. They all were more than ready to experience those whistles or those jeers. And, you know, for the most part, I thought Upamakano stood firm. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that. You know, we saw a different back line, but we did schnitzel. We, we got to see the new man. In the 59th minute, Marcel Sabitzer did come on to replace Leon Goretzka, and Sabitzer almost got a goal if it wasn't for his old pal and Petr Galashi keeping him out. And, you know, the rebound, the looping header was tough to get over. He just couldn't get his head over it and sailed over the crossbar. But, you know, we had a good half hour of our, of our new signing that kind of came out of thin air in the transfer window. And, you know, I just want to get your thoughts. I mean, how do you think, you know, he performed yesterday? I know it was a brief sample, but did you like what you saw? Was it pretty much so-so, bang average, as they would say in the UK? Or did you expect more? Or is it just a bit too early to get a, a real assessment on him? Okay, so I kind of feel like it was more of a mixed performance than it might uh, have looked to many fans. Uh, I am a, I have a huge Sabitzer bias, and it's no secret that I kind of fanboy over him. And, you know, he is definitely an amazing transfer. Yesterday, I felt like he was a bit too reckless with some challenges. Like he just went straight in and he kind of bodied his former teammates, Yusuf Paulson and co. And they were having a tough time with him in midfield. Like he was super physical, super aggressive, always ready to pounce on the ball. And I feel like some of those challenges might lead to yellow card situations with another referee. But thankfully, yesterday's ref, he wasn't handing out cards to anyone. He was like, probably, you know, you guys can kill yourself for all I care on the pitch. So with that situation, like I feel Zabitzer just got away with it. And he was very involved towards the end of the game in the final third. Like his combination play with Muziala and Niklas Zulu, who was like bombarding on the right. It was really fun to watch. And uh, he had a very good goal chance, like you just said. And his shot was pretty powerful, but I feel like Golachi made an incredible save. Uh, obviously, shout out to Galachi for that. And the rebound, obviously, he couldn't quite get his head to it at the right time. I think he was not expecting it to fall on that, you know, fall fall that way for him. And he kind of misjudged the pace on it. So he couldn't send it into the net. It ended up going over the bar. But uh, the signs are promising, definitely. And I feel like given Goretzka has not really been great for Bayern recently, like yesterday's game, I'm not sure he was even good. I'd say at best he was decent. At worst, he was probably just shambolic. Like his passing wasn't good, to be frank. It's not like what we've gotten used to seeing the past few seasons. For Germany, he was a different beast. It may be like a Nagelsmann thing, you know, it's still getting used to his tactics. It's not flick ball anymore, so they need to probably implement these changes into their style of play. So I'm guessing Kemish and Goretzka would eventually slot right in with the rest of the philosophy. But at the moment, it's a toss-up between, you know, Zabitzer and Goretzka. Zabitzer could start next game against Barca. Oh, 100%. And I do have to agree with you, especially that midfield aspect, you know, and for large portions of both halves, I, I really felt that midfield was kind of absent. It just seemed to go end to end, back to front, you know, and once we would quell a Leipzig attack or Manuel Neuer would make a save, he'd zip it out and all of a sudden Leroy Sané on the left side would be on the counter attack and, you know, leading the charge. And obviously with the Bundesliga, you know, still being able to make five subs, there's a lot of movement that we see. And so, the managers have the luxury of making those tactical switches, you know, especially for Bayern with like the injuries that we get. It seems that we can't have one game where we don't have to make a, you know, injury substitution. But, 
you know, there are a lot of moving parts. We had Musiala obviously coming on for the injured Serge Gnabry made a huge difference. But in the second half, it got a little confusing. Goretzka came off. Sabitzer came on. We saw Stanisic and Nikla Zula come on. We were all trying to figure out what exactly the formation had switched to, whether it was a back three uh, with uh, obviously Nikla Zula, Luca Hernandez, and Dio Upamakano, or if it was a back four with uh, quote-unquote Sulinho uh, at right back, you know, bombing forward, having that shot that was deflected a little bit towards the end. Um, Stanisic looked like he was getting forward, slotting into the midfield, and Sabitzer looked like he was a, a bit... I don't want to say all over the place. I think that sounds a bit too negative, but, you know, it kind of segues. I mean, what I personally hold the opinion, he very well possesses the ability to play as a, a winger, a uh, central attacking midfielder, a more deeper lying, holding box to box type of midfielder when he does have the legs, um, you know, kind of taking what you saw yesterday and looking to the future, as you were just mentioning with Kimmich and Goretzka as that, you know, go to midfield pivot, which I agree with. I think that's the foundation uh, one of the foundations, I should say, of our best starting 11. But do you think we'll most often see him in any one of those positions? Or do you think Nagelsmann is really going to tap into what he knows about him and make it very much a match-to-match situation from a tactical standpoint? Well, I feel like Zabitzer's tactical flexibility gives Nagelsmann a very potent weapon. So I expect Nagelsmann to assess the team situation, see how they might line up, how their op- opponent might line up, how the tactics fit in, you know, player to player, how one might adjust to those tactics, and obviously the form of the players. So at the moment, I'd say, obviously, Kemesh and Goretzka are usually just are, you know, straight on slots to starting in midfield. They are, on their day, the world's best midfield pivot. Goretzka at the eight, Kemesh at the oh, yeah. six. 100%. They complement they complement themselves so well, you know, they make up for each other's mistakes and they're just, they just have this telepathic understanding. But now that Zabitzer is in the fray, I expect that to put a little more pressure on Gretzka, especially, you know, like kind of, so Kimmich kind of makes up for his mistakes with his mentality. And he also did end up with an assist yesterday. So you can't really, yeah, yeah you can't really. I was very surprised him. that uh, Moting was onside for that, but he was rightfully so. Yeah. The assist was beautiful. Like it was so well timed. It was incredible. And uh, Kimish was actually, in my opinion, better than Goretzka yesterday. Maybe uh, his passing was also not up to the mark, but he did a lot, you know, uh, of the silent work deeper in midfield, dropping back to help the defenders and uh, recircle the possession and all that. So now that Zabitzer is in the fray, I feel like he puts a lot of pressure on Goretzka to perform. And that's obviously a good thing because competition in this case, should increase the quality of both players who now know that a starting spot, a starting role is not a guarantee. And this should help Goretzka get back into form, hopefully. And now that uh, Nagelsmann has such a, you can say, versatile weapon in his arsenal, he can uh, put Zabitzer in midfield at the box-to-box or as an attacking midfielder to give Müller arrests sometimes because you can't just have Thomas Müller playing, you know, game in, game out. And I honestly don't want to see Muziala shift in from the wing. Like, I feel like at this point, he has to be a winger for Bayern. Yes. And hopefully in when he listens to this, doesn't, uh, hopefully he just doesn't hear when you say Thomas Müller shouldn't be playing all the time. Because <laughs> I know he is 100% going to disagree with that. But I do agree with you, especially on that Musiala point. And you know, you'd have to be blind at this point to say that that's not his best position and that's not where he's most impactful. Sure, I have confidence in him that he can do a job wherever you put him, but based on 
all of the recent performances we've seen, both for Bayern and Die Mannschaft, you would have to realize that that is the best position for him. And, you know, going forward, I agree with you. I think that tactical flexibility with Marcel Sabitzer is going to be fantastic. And who better to manage that than someone who's already been managing him for the past couple of seasons and in Julian Nagelsmann. And just as you were explaining the Kimmich assist, it was Marcel Sabitzer with the uh, quote-unquote hockey assist who passed it to Kimmich just before he uh, passed it to Chapamoteng. Unfortunately, in fantasy, you don't get points for that. It'd be nice if you did, but uh, nonetheless, so tactically speaking, there's another area of the pitch that we should really be focusing on too because Nicolas Sula, I think we can all agree, has had a fantastic start to this season, both for Bayern and for Germany. And, you know, uh, there were a lot of question marks over his future this summer. His contract expires next summer. The club has not yet reached out to work on a new deal for him. Chelsea was heavily interested at one point this summer before their efforts sort of shifted to bringing back Romelu Lukaku uh, from Inter Milan. And I had written a piece just a few days ago, Schnitzel, about how Bayern is supposedly keeping tabs on uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach's Matthias Ginter and Chelsea's Antonio Rudiger. These are both players who have their contracts expire next summer, just like Niklas Zula. And, you know, just as we saw against Leipzig, Schnitzel, Luca Hernandez, Benjamin Pavar, they're both back fit and they both slotted right back in to the starting lineup. Do you think this is more of leg and muscle management, knowing that Niklas Zula had this long international break with, you know, three matches in quick succession, albeit the opponents weren't the strongest? Or do you think this is more of a sign of, okay, now Luca Hernandez is back fit, Benjamin Pavard is back fit, Stanisic stood in very firm, very well. Uh, we were all very impressed with what he offered in the minutes that he gave us uh, in the opening stages of the season. But in your opinion, is this just a little bit of tactical flexibility or does Nagelsmann in his mind have a set starting back four that is probably what we saw yesterday against RB Leipzig? I think it's a bit of both. I feel like Niklas Zula is quite possibly our best uh, right centre-back when he's fit. And his size, his speed and, you know, his game intelligence with respect to challenges and positioning, uh, you know, is possessed by few people around the world, few centre-backs. And I, I always felt he has the potential to be the best in the world in his position, uh, considering he's not injured, which... He is most of like almost every season he's down with some or the other injury. And that is disappointing. But I want to see him, you know, fit for an entire stretch for an entire season. And I think he can cement himself as a stalwart for Bayern in center back. Yesterday's decisions, well, I was very surprised that Luca Anandes started. Uh, the whole reason I didn't have him in my fantasy team was because he just came out, came back from an injury. And I felt managers are usually, you know, kind of uh, cautious with sending players right onto the fray, uh, just having returned back from an injury. But I was super surprised that Luca started. And I had Zula in my team and he was not playing so Imagine my disappointment. But then uh, you see the output that Luca and Upa, Upa Makano gave us, and you're just amazed. I kind of think uh, I have to give it to Nagelsmann. He, that was a brilliant decision. Usually you don't have that, you know, courage to set, throw in the player right into the fire, you know, right off the bat and see how they perform against one of the best teams in the league in such a high stakes game but he just pulled it off so well. And Luca Hernandez passed the test in, with flying colors. Like he was incredible. He was our best defender yesterday. Uh, you can make the argument for Davies, but I felt that Davies went forwards and backwards. So he was involved 
a lot in the attack and he also defended. So you cannot say he was exclusively defending, but from a defensive standpoint, there was nobody better than Luca Hernandez on the pitch yesterday. And I would say that he should, when fit, be our starting left centre-back. There is no question about it. He even has the potential to be, you know, the best centre back in the world. I'm sorry about you know the Van Dyke <laughs> uh, oh, feelings okay. you might have. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but but uh, for me, Luca has the potential to be even better than Van Dyke. I know at this point, you know, you, it feels like I might be reaching a little bit, but you can see it in his performance. I mean, how can, how many defenders can say that they pocketed both Mbappe and Neymar by themselves and kept them quiet for an entire ninety minutes? Right. Not I many. mean, not many. He was, he was stellar that PSG game. And I kind of look back to it fondly as one of my favorite memories, like one of the standout performances of any individual player in the Champions League. It's one of my favorite performances of any band player in the Champions League. And going forward, I think Luca Hernandez will assert his place at left center back if he doesn't get injured again. And with regards to the right center back position, here's where we'll have a lot of rotation. I think Obama Kano did very well yesterday, but he is prone to, you know, losing his calm when you have two or three players teaming him or like a quick attacker. Got who into gets it yesterday a little bit with uh, Andre Silva as well on the touchlines. Yeah, that. yeah. And uh, I, I think you would also recall how he brought down Guardiol when he got the better of him with nutmeg, you yes, know, just yes. yanking. Yanking at his jersey and bringing him down. Been there, done so, that too. When you get nutmeg in front of, it, for me, only a couple hundred people, <laughs> usually not too happy about it. Yeah. So when you tend to lose your cool like that, you tend to get carded, especially when the stakes are high in you know Champions League games. So right now, I'd still say even it was probably just Zula having played three international games on the trot that led to him getting benched against Leipzig. Uh, more than having uh, anything to do with his form for Bayern Munich. Right. And I feel like going forward, him and Luca should be our Champagne 11 starting centre-back partnership. And uh, I expect it to be Alfonso Davies and uh, possibly Stanisic or Pavar at right back. I felt Pavar didn't have an excellent game yesterday. He was very okay. Like yeah. he could have done much better. But for a game back from an injury, I have to give it to him. It was fine. So... I don't know. For right back, it could be anyone. It's a toss-up at this point. Yeah, and it should be said, you know, just because Dio Ufamakano was the big guy we brought in this transfer window, you know, his place isn't guaranteed, as you mentioned. You know, it's usually both he and Nicolas Sula who are best fit at that right center-back position, obviously with Hernandez being a left-footer and Davies having that nailed-on left-back spot. Hernandez is more apt to be playing the left center back spot. Not to say he couldn't uh, play the right center back, but it would always be most advantageous to have him on that left side. So Schnitzel, just last word on this. If you're Byron's board, uh, you're in a small room with Oliver Kahn. Do you look him in the face and do you say, we need to get a new deal for Nicolas Sula? Or with those two guys that we mentioned, uh, I, I think I know what your answer would be as far as, would you rather get a new contract or one of Rudiger or Ginter? But, you know, if, if you're on Byron's boardroom, are you trying to force a new deal? Uh, just to be clear, I hope this boardroom has an exit, you know, <laughs> so that I could conveniently, when, if yeah. things get bad, <laughs> nobody wants to be alone with Oliver Kahn in a room, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, I would honestly advocate 
uh, for a contract extension for Nicolas Zula because at this point there is no other option that's sensible. Like the talent that he has, the abilities that he possesses, and the fact that he's German and one of the you know starting centre backs for Die Mannschaft now that Hansi Flick has taken over, there is absolutely there should be no doubt. Niklas Zulu has to be extended and we do not need any more centre-back signings come next summer. Rudiger, hard pass and Ginter, nah, I don't think he has enough quality to be, you know, ahead of anyone of our centre-backs in the pecking order. I'd have to agree. So if Bayern, if anyone from the boardroom, if Hassan Salihamidic happens to be listening or Oliver Kahn or a relative, get that message across. Get Nikli. Uh, Nikki, a.k.a. Sulino, a new deal as soon as possible uh, so that we can keep him for the long term. And Schnitzel, since we're on the subject of tactical switches, I think we kind of have to address the elephant in the room. That is the masterclass genius decision to switch Leroy Sané from the right to the left, to the left, to the left, just to quote Beyonce. She had it right. Beyonce knew before Julian Nagelsmann knew and he was, she was trying to tell us to the left. And now Schnitzel, albeit the switch technically took place, I believe the first match was against Bremer Esaval and the DFB Pokal. That was a matchup where, you know, once the 10th goal went in, I was kind of weighing how I would have done out there on the pitch against Bremer Esaval, you know, with my collegiate experience. But, you know, that's me tuning my own horn. I probably would have failed miserably. But he has been on a sensational run since he's been switched from the right to the left. And this just seems to be the golden ticket that's gotten Leroy Sané playing like the Leroy Sané that, that we bought from Manchester City and the Leroy Sané that we all came to expect. Now, I guess we do have a very difficult stretch coming up. Obviously, Barcelona is next. We have a lot of matches coming up. I, I think we have VFL Bochum, uh, Greuther Freuth in there uh, before our next Champions League match against Dinamo Kiev. But, you know, this is going to be a period when we need everybody firing in all cylinders. And Leroy Sané is very much a confidence player. And that confidence is growing exponentially on that left flank so do you think this is this is as simple as it is the key switch we just keep him on that left flank and he's going to continue to perform is it a little bit of a you know placebo effect I guess you know with all of the fans and his teammates getting behind him for everything positive he does or do you think that as long as he's on the left side that this form is going to continue barring any injuries I feel like Nagelsmann has been like incredible so far with this decision making he has you know brought in the best out of so many Bayern players who didn't look that great last season some of them being Leroy Zane of course and then there's Alfonso Davies Nicolas Zula like we were pondering whether to sell Zula or not and now he's like you know a starting defender of Bayern yeah. that's how much that's how that's how much he's come you know that's how far he's come and I could say the same with Davies as well like last season after the injury he was not looking his usual self but you know Nagelsmann is bringing the best out of him and it's just a joy to watch coming back to Zane I think looking back at his you know Schalke days and his Manchester City days he was always best used there like he was so potent offensively he was always a goal threat and he could also chip in with some nice crosses with his left foot and I feel like that ability is kind of diminished on the right the main reason I think Hansi Flick wanted him on the right was to play like a Robin-esque winger like cutting from the you know the right wing into his left foot yeah, and right. a sc- score a goal across goal and you know to have 
that productivity, but I think it didn't pan out well because first, he was always uh, double teamed. And second, he wasn't very uh, good with his, you know, nifty dribbling in the sense that he did get past his man, but his decision making after that was really suspect. And he usually had to cross with his right foot. Uh, I would like to bring your memory to, you know, the instant in uh, last season's PSG game, Bayern versus PSG, the second leg in the Champions League, the last minute. Zane has such a wonderful opportunity to make a pass to, you know, Muziala, who's free. Yep. And, he ends up, and he ends up scuffing it horribly across the face of goal. Nobody gets to it. And that's our last chance. The game is over. We lose on aggregate. So that Zane is, you know, the kind of Zane that we don't want to see, the one without, you know, much confidence, the one who is not able to get the best out of his abilities. And I love left wing Zane. He is doing incredibly well in left wing. I think it's a Nagelsmann masterstroke. And you saw in the Germany games as well, like he was involved in so many goals, so active in the final third in, you know, the left wing. And I feel like with his left foot, now that he's in the left wing, he can choose to either cross or shoot. Yeah. which affords him, you know, that extra level of, you know, decision-making and that extra level of unpredictability, which he didn't have as a right-winger. So he is and should be, you know, kind of solely a left-winger for Bayern and he should be a slot in that left wing at the moment. I don't see any point in trying to shuffle him soon. Even, uh, there, there were even mentions of Nagelsmann saying he could play as an attacking midfielder going forward. You know, depending on yeah. how you know th- things work out, I feel like he shouldn't experiment too much now that Zane has struck the momentum right and he has things going on for him. He should play at left wing. One hundred percent. And just thinking too, you know, Kingsley Coman has expressed he does want away, but the options that we have on the right, Kingsley Coman, Serge Gnabry, uh, Jamal Musiala, even Thomas Muller. I know he's best as a uh, secondary striker tucked behind the main man, Robert Lewandowski. But even Muller can do a job out there. And, you know, you can guarantee he'll do work on both sides of the ball. And he's pretty powerful with both feet. But just as you were mentioning, it's as simple as, you know, some fundamental things that I was learning, you know, when I was growing up playing and going through high school and collegiate level. uh, You know, why why take half of something out of someone's game by putting them on the, on their weak side, you know, from a defensive standpoint, that's much easier. So if I'm a right footed player and I'm playing on the left, force me to the left and you just limit my options, unless there's a very specific match plan in place where, um, you know, it may be where if it's a weaker opponent, you know, a player that has a history of not defending well against a certain player and that player is confident in taking that defender on, I can see that being, you know, uh, a higher susceptibility for flexibility in the sense of playing someone on the weak side. And right there, there's the thing about Aryan Robin is there's only one Aryan Robin. There's only one Mr. Wembley. You cannot replicate that. There's only one guy who is able to cut in onto the left from the right in the manner that he continuously did and scored banger after banger. And I know that you uh, were just referencing Leroy Sané's scuff against PSG. And, you know, he's not. He's not someone who, uh, you know, doesn't often blast one over the bar when he would cut in from the right onto his left foot. There's a lot of I can remember a lot of live tweet moments saying, well, that one's still still going up and it's put into orbit. But yeah, just from the simple standpoint, I know that, you know, our coaching staff and our technical staff and the video staff that Nagelsmann brought with him from Leipzig are much more technical and they have everything very dissected down to the most finite detail. You know, so we're just sitting here saying, 
don't play someone on their weaker side, play them on their strong side. And the possibilities are obviously tenfold what they are on the weaker side, but they have that down to a science. And I think they've, they've struck a chord with moving Sané to the left. And I agree with you, absolutely zero reason to move him from there. And if that means that someone else starts at left wing for any given match, just okay, then leave Sané on the bench and he's a weapon to bring off and only bring him on on the left unless, you know, you know, like I said, barring an, in, barring an injury crisis, which is not something that is completely impossible for Bayern Munich, as we all unfortunately know. But, you know, that's, that's my final thought on that. And, you know, riding that wave of confidence, Schnitzel, into... Uh, Before you move big... on. Oh, okay, go ahead. Before go ahead. you move on, there, there is a very important moral to the story, and that is you always listen to Beyonce. What's that? There is a very important moral to the story, and that is you always listen to Beyonce. Yes, yes, of course. Who else would you listen to for the uh, the queen of R&B and hip-hop? Obviously, people coming on and listening to this probably would not have expected to you know, be listening to Beyonce's uh, impact on Bayern Munich, but there you have it, another first for Bavarian podcast work. So, Schnitzel, going to cut right to the chase. We have a huge match midweek. Because of the new uh, protocols, UEFA has greenlit away fans for the Champions League, Europa League, Conference League, all their club competitions, but local governance in the Catalans has said that uh, Bayern fans are not allowed. Whatever. Uh, we should do the same to them when it's, uh, you know, when it comes to Bavaria, but, you know, the Bavarian legislators will make their own decision in that respect, but this is a rematch. The 8-2 in Lisbon, Portugal. We all remember it. We all remember that day very, very well, very vividly, and uh, route to uh, lifting the Champions League, completing the treble, but I got to be honest with you, I am not someone, I don't want to discredit La Liga. I'm just not someone who watches any bit of La Liga, even if it's uh, El Clasico. I'm just, my weekends are, are just very, very busily spent watching Liverpool, Bayern, Bundesliga, and the Premier League. So I have to say, I know the form that we're in. I know what we've done to Barcelona in the past on numerous occasions. Schnitzel, what do you, what do you think our chances are for this one? Are we going to come away with a huge away win? Okay, so thankfully, I have the La Liga aspect covered. So I have been following Barcelona's recent form. And I'd say one of their standout players this season has been Memphis Depay, who seems to be scoring every single game. And as someone who can threaten any defense with his pace and with his you know, shots on target and the way he uses his chances efficiently, do you remember his, uh, you know, the scares he gave us, uh, Leon against Barcelona, uh, Bayern Munich, just over a season ago, like last year in the Champions League? Yes, and I do remember that. I remember uh, Gnabry scoring that banger with his left foot and that goal changing the tide because Leon were dominating prior to that. I do exactly. remember. Exactly, yeah. Memphis Depay has the ability to like push our defense back and make it play conservatively just because of, you know, how little time he needs after one misplaced pass or like, you know, after getting a, a chip in from his teammate, a lob across, he'll just take the ball down, he'll run towards your goal, he'll drill past defenses and he'll score. So yeah. we need to pay a lot of attention, you know, to restricting Depay's movements. And obviously, Luke de Jong is, you know, has, has joined Barca from Sevilla. And we know Luke de Jong always likes scoring against Bayern. He even did so in the Super Cup, if you recall that, you know, we won 2-1 with that memorable Javi Martinez header. Yes, uh, yes. Anyways, yeah. So Barcelona, I kind of feel like this might sound kind of odd to you, like a conundrum. Uh, I feel Barcelona look more scary now, now that they've lost Lionel Messi to PSG. 
And the reason is, I feel they are less dependent on just one player to create the magic for them. And the individual parts are trying to function as a team, as a whole. And you have players like Pedri and Frankie de Jong and Memphis Depay, Sergio Aguero, and, uh, you know, Musa Dembele, whenever he's not injured, you know, and <laughs> which is not often. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he could always uh, help with some, you know, support from the hospital, you know, <laughs> while watching the game. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. And uh, so many uh, individual talented players. I don't like discounting Bayern's opponents, especially because I know you shouldn't really be cocky when it comes to football. It can always backfire really badly. If you remember Arturo Vidal's comments, you know, for for Barcelona last season against Bayern before yes, yes. they got spanked. Yeah, you shouldn't be cocky before games. And I feel we should approach this game highly cautiously. Who can make a difference. That being said, I expect this to be a dominant Bayern victory. And the reason for that is the form that Bayern is in and the fact that so many Bayern players are kind of, you know, playing at their best level right now. You have Davies, you have Zane, you have uh, Jamal Muziala, who's like scoring for fun, assisting for fun. You have Lewandowski, who did have a, a, an off day, but he will undoubtedly return back to scoring ways, I think, against Barcelona. Exactly, that's the uh, luxury. An off day for Lewandowski could mean a goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're just like, you know, oh, okay, he just had an off day. He'll come back and score a hat trick, maybe. You know, yeah, it's just normal right go. now for all of us. Yeah. So with so many players in, you know, Bayern's team peaking at the right time just before the Barca game, and, uh, you know, with so many mentality monsters. So in German, it's mentalität, you know, monster. Yes. So with so many uh, mentality monsters in the team, you have Manuel Neuer, you have Joshua Kimmich, and you have Robert Lewandowski, Thomas Müller. You just don't get complacent. They will keep you know, trying to score goals until they're like 8-0 or 9-0 up so that, you know, that level of, you know, satisfaction comes and you can feel safe about it. There's no coming back from the scoreline. And therefore, I think it definitely won't be an 8-2. Something's telling me it just won't be that dominant. But the scoreline should, you know, put us at least three goals in favor of Barcelona. That's what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts? I do like the confidence. I very much agree with the testament, however, um, as does Thomas Muller, who spoke after the win over RB Leipzig and said, you know, we know the recent history that we have against Barcelona. Um, he didn't mention this, but obviously the uh, logistics of it being a one-off in that bubble tournament because of COVID uh, in Portugal, I think that that definitely played into things. I, I doubt that you will, unless it's a very strong opponent against a very weak opponent, as is normally the case with power seeds in the group stages in the Champions League, Part of it was the one-off. You had to throw all the dice at everything at once. You couldn't strategize, uh, so to speak, as you know, uh, you know, you couldn't pull a, a Jose Mourinho and park the bus away from home against a stronger opponent, so to speak. But yeah, Thomas Muller, he said the same, kind of echoed the sentiment that you were just saying. You cannot underestimate any opponent, especially Barcelona. Doesn't matter that they don't have Lionel Messi, who is now uh, in, in France and league on with PSG. Just as you said. Now there's not one focal guy. You could say now maybe it's Memphis Depay, but n not anywhere near a level as Lionel Messi. Um, you know, no one's going to compare. Just as there's only one Arjen Robin, there's only one Lionel Messi. You know, you can't uh, you can't replicate that. So I agree with you in that sentiment, but I still do think that Bayern, uh, like you said, a lot of players are peaking at the right time, uh, synchronizing very well with one another. Uh, I think. Even Julian Nagelsmann himself, we can't forget, had a lot of success against the La Liga side in the Champions League. 
uh, when RB Leipzig knocked out Atletico Madrid. And that is something I was very, very proud to see. I remember uh, tweeting about it the day that it happened. And, you know, uh, a lot of Bundesliga fans were able to overlook the uh, Rosenball Sport Red Bull connection just for that one uh, instance against uh, Diego Simeone's side. And, you know, that was great to see. So all those things considered, I, I do think Bayern can sneak away with either a 2-0 or a 3-1 win uh, at the Camp Nou. And, you know, let's hope that our predictions come to fruition because I would love to be uh, sitting here talking about a win in uh, about a week's, a week's time. But Schnitzel, it's been great. I, th- I think that's just going to wrap it up for this episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. So thank you all again for your continued support and for listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you use, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, whatever it is. Maybe it's something I don't even know about that you're listening on from another planet if any aliens are listening or whatnot. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, Schnitzel, do you have an, a handle that I don't happen to know off the top of my head? No, actually, I'm not on Twitter for like obvious reasons. But that is fine. There is I, a lot. Of, there are yeah. a lot of trolls on Twitter, but be sure to, you know, like us on uh, at Bavarian Football Works at Tommy Adams 71. All the other guys from Bavarian Podcast Works at Barrel Blog, Chuck Smith at Jefferson Fenner at I Need No Name. As you have probably all heard and seen, we're getting a lot more people involved on Bavarian Podcast Works. Thanks again for the support. And until next time, which will be likely a preview, a detailed preview of that big clash in the Champions League against Barcelona. Until next time, auf Wiedersehen. Thanks again.